Because again, if people already cared, you wouldn't have to pitch anything. Yeah. To be clear, don't trap anybody in an elevator. Yeah. That's never a good idea. But even so when you don't like, to, you don't get in there immediately pull the alarm yeah. and be like, I guess we got to talk about my game. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 178 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, I'm the drinker of delicious herbal teas. I'm Sam and I'm just relaxing today. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is November 19, 2018. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen in this show, which is going to be profanity. Well, we're going to talk about stuff that children don't care about. Mm-hmm. So if you're a child... Uh, you can scoot on out of here. You yeah, know, this is basically school. Yep. This is basically school with profanity. Yep, which would be a lot way better. better. A lot better. <laughs> I, I would have listened. I didn't listen. Uh, didn't listen. Uh, also, before we get started with the episode, we'd like to thank our supporters from MoneyGrab.Bscotch.net. We got a message from Captain Jazz, which mm, nice, pretty, very smooth, pretty, pretty smooth. Sup, Borgish Pork Shuffle Buffle Crew. Nice. I've been a fan of BS since Crashlands debuted on Steam. I've just bought Crashlands for the Switch with some of Nintendo cashback coinage. Hell yeah. It. Do we actually get any of that? I don't know. know. Well, he <laughs> said, just in case you guys don't see that special <laughs> money, have some coffee on me. Cheers. That's awesome. So thank you very much. I don't know how that works. I don't, I don't remember either. reading anything about that. That was on the contract. contract. Maybe right. Nintendo gives us the special magic money. That, yeah, and, and then we just we can use it to buy games or something. <laughs> Speaking of all of this stuff and moneygrab.bscotch.net, I kind of feel like we need a lootbox.bscotch.net where where we do something with an actual loot box. I don't know what would be Isn't in it there. Just the merch shop. Isn't well, but, then, but you know, yeah, the problem is you know what you're buying. Well, we could sell a mystery box. You mean a loot box? Yes. Yeah, because because it, <laughs> it turns out could it's worth sheet. more to buy mostly garbage. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But with, a bunch of it with the chance of getting something that you want, yeah. Because of it the doesn't ex- really work because of well. the excitement. It doesn't really work well though on the merch store because you can just buy all of the things that you want like directly. That's true. And then the, then the loot box is just who knows what's in there or if it's worth. Maybe you want to risk it. You know, is it feeling- uh, where where's the line between a loot box and and gambling laws? I, Right, That's because still, like, yeah, they're trying fraud. to find out. That's my question too. It's the fraud question. So, for example, like if we're selling merch, we're like, all right, you can buy a loot box. Yeah, you might get a sticker sheet, but you might get nothing. You might get a pin, which is worth like what's the, what's to stop cents. us from just giving you the pin all yeah. the time? And that's it. Right. Because we're technically, it's true if we said you might get one, mm-hmm. because implied in the word might is might not. Yep. Yeah. Right. This is like when a and science, as long as we send science, at least something else to somebody one time, mm-hmm. yeah. they were technically not lying. And when a science article comes out, it says like chocolate may reduce your risk of cancer. Yeah. Implied in the may is may, may not. not. Yeah. Right. So it anytime you read not. that, you should read it as chocolate may not reduce your risk mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Because they're, they're just like, the well, same. duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a truth fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like once you once you fully embrace the. How might means the exact same thing as might not. Yep. And may means the exact same thing as yeah. may not. Then it really, really helps it's you. It's hard to, parse to get bullshit. tricked. Yeah. yeah. It was also funny if you have a conversation. I might show up tonight. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. But I might not. Might not yeah. also. <laughs> yeah. That's what that. So what you're saying is and you're just giving like, me no information. But just like in that scenario, <laughs> whether it's science or somebody coming over, if they say might, the reality is might not. Yeah, they're know. just trying to soften the they're blow. They're trying to soften the yeah. blow. Because if they were going to come, they'd be like, I'll be there. Yep. 
But I think it's important to always say that you might because you could get hit by a bus on the way. <laughs> there is that. Barring my death, which is an inevitability. But well, there, you there's a problem there. though because if there's always some some you know unknowableness about your presence right. at a thing, then if you do get hit by a car and you're just like lying on the side that's of the road. True. No one's going to know. No one's going to know. They'll Maybe like, you would have well, flaked again. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's why you build in contingencies. So you say in probably about 90% of, of universes, I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. But – right. But 10% of the time, I'm probably going to get hit by a bus because I'm very unaware of buses, mm-hmm. like, yeah. way rel- like relative to the rest of the population. It seems to happen a lot if TV shows have taught me anything. Yep. Getting yeah. Hit by buses. Especially right after like a sentimental moment yeah. when somebody's – whenever they hold the camera on somebody walking away you know. for slightly yep. too long, yeah. you know a bus is going. <laughs> <laughs> Was that movie Meet Joe Black? Yes. Yeah. He gets hit by like three cars back to back. Boom, he, gets, boom, boom. he gets knocked around like a rag doll. I remember it's, it's like oh, the yeah. it's it's the opening scene or something. Yeah, there's it's like, like a really, really touching really. moment. Yeah, and, and I remember, just, I remember when I saw that, and that we were I'm pretty sure we were kids at the yeah, time, dude. but I was just laughing hysterically because <laughs> the absurdity of the yeah. moment took away <laughs> all the gravitas from it. Right, because you know? if it had been one car, you'd be like, oh. Wow, he, he died. But yeah. they were like, "No, he really." But they also tried to make it feel like it really happened with like with like ragdoll physics and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So it just well, he got real floppy and was really kind of yeah. bouncing around there. Which you know, maybe maybe it really would look like that. Which is then horrifying to think how hilarious it would look. I guess, but I mean, if ragdoll physics and games teaches us anything, it is hilarious. That, it is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Become a floppy noodle. Time, yeah. I wonder if this was actually after ragdoll physics became a thing. So that in my in my brain at the time, I was actually looking at this. As ragdoll physics, which was why mm. it was so funny. Could Maybe be. Meet, Joe Back, meet Joe Black pioneered ragdoll physics for That's that possible, scene. Somebody yeah. saw that. They're like, we need, we we need, need that, that in, video game. in our video games. Uh-huh. No more death animations. Just, just become a noodle and hurl the body. The timeline <laughs> probably works out for that. Yeah. But they don't get is that people become usually very stiff when they like get knocked out or something like that. Right, that's true. There is that. Do so, they get stiff? They do. That's rigor mortis. That's when you die. Well, that's no. There's that's a, like there's also a thing wild. that happens where your your arms like flex out flex out forwards mm-hmm. when you get knocked. I think out. your legs flex too. Like you kind of just like yeah, but not not like, when you die. Not when you die. That's not a different thing. Yeah, but but when, that, <laughs> but when you when that happens, isn't it just like for a moment? It's for a little bit. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like there's I feel like there's another there's another unexplored, which is not the rag doll, but the plank doll. A plank, plank doll. <laughs> where you become kind of stiff. Isn't that a little what, just, isn't that what like a dog over. is, basically? Yeah, a dog is basically. It's a plank doll? Yeah. Plank doll. Because Dogs just, are always stiff. doing planks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. really <laughs> are. <Yeah. laughs> it's true. They always just lay down on their side and go to sleep because they don't have any shoulders. They're like, I'm yeah, done planking for the day. I'm gonna <laughs> just going to fall over. Lay down on the side. I have a basically even plane on the side of my body so I can just lay wherever I want. That's a good advantage. It's a huge advantage. It comes at the cost of absolutely no manual dexterity. <laughs> Have you ever seen a dog try to like get get something out of a, like mm-hmm. from under a couch yeah, or something? It's, it's a it's hilarious, but it's never it's not very effective. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's go on some studio news. Last week we talked about emails and Boo-boo. sending them and how we can't. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. What's so, the update this week? So last week we were all like the oh, world God. is fucked. It's on fire. Emails literally won't go California's burning. Yes. And the world is the rest of the world isn't. And that's probably what's there. happening is our emails are going through California and just catching on fire. Yeah, Google's over there. Google's over there. This all makes sense. As far as I understand, if if there's a fire in California, then all of California is on fire. I right? mean, yeah. It's, it's just like when you we, – we were driving uh, to get groceries and stuff on Saturday and we saw a car drive by that had a, a Grinnell College bumper sticker on the back. Mm. And so, you know, so we all grew up in Grinnell. And so my wife looked at me and she was like, do you know that person? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, <laughs> as a joke, but then I was like, I thought about it for a second. I was like, you know, I, I might, might. I might, you know, I might. 
but you might not. Uh, but you might not. But I might not. And I probably do. <laughs> Just bring it back to reality. I may know so, this person. So last week, we tried to send out the Ballyhoo. Yeah. And we sent out 7,000 emails. That's our newsletter. That's our newsletter. We sent out 7,000 emails and uh, on Saturday, and like it was like a 10% Oprah rate, which is literally a quarter of what it should be. Mm-hmm. And so, so then I just paused it and I was like, I'm not going to send the rest of these because this is stupid. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then we complained about it a bunch on Monday last week. Yeah, we nailed, I feel like we nailed that part of the episode where we sit around and whine about yeah, stuff. We did great. We did, we at, really, at that, that was one. a good segment. I feel uh, like we should bring that segment <laughs> back. Uh, it actually sounds like people, people enjoyed it. I think, I think it is important to talk about how, like, uh, talk about the rough edges. You talk, there, there, there are some rough edges to this, and, and nothing is certain, and everything is hard. You know. Yep. You know? So I think it was probably worth doing. Sometimes it sucks. But then after that, <laughs> after after we shot 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 that episode, mic'd that, we shot it. How do you? What do you we do? Took it back. We taped it. But when it's a, it. we taped it. I guess we okay, taped sure, yeah. it. After we taped that episode, that taped still it, sounds wrong. And then we shot it. <laughs> <laughs> then we shot it, and then we tried to figure out what to do about this, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, so my solution at that time was to say, okay, the things that probably – anything that makes our emails look like spam is probably what keeps them from getting in people's inboxes, which makes sense. Seems reasonable. Um, so the two big parts are, of course, the fact that we're sending a fuckload of them, uh, which is we just have to do. We can't so really get, can't around, get around, around that. that. Uh, and then the just content of it. So what do what do uh, what do marketers? Because I was worried about it landing in promos. This promos mm-hmm. one, right? And I was like, okay. So what do marketers do? So well, they have real fancy fucking HTML emails. They're beautifully emails. Beautiful. They have lots of images, and they like really well structured. So I said, okay, let me just yank all this fucking HTML out of here. So just you just yank get it. it out of there. So I did that, and then the funny thing was that it, it almost looks the same as it did. So you uh, tied a string around, tied a string, around. and then you tie a string on a doorknob. Yep. Exactly. You just, you just, just slam it. it. Just get the HTML right out. Right out. And so I did that. Didn't even feel a thing. Yeah. It didn't. Didn't even notice. Didn't cry or anything. Yeah. And then we and I retested it through our test system, and it and it now it passed now. So mm-hmm. I was like, cool. This this may this may be the thing. Well, so we not. scheduled it for this weekend, and and we ran it through. Um. So. We haven't seen today's yet because we're recording it before today's batch goes out. But we saw yeah. Sunday's, yesterday's, and uh, and it was literally twice as good as last week, but still half, half, as, half as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. So, which then suggests, hey, okay, so that helped, but we're not there yet. And so I think the next thing is that uh, we like to put links in our emails because people like to click on things. At least that's what we believe. We're like we know that we like to click on things to go yep. learn more about I love the stuff. You know, yeah, it's like the whole rabbit hole yep. phenomenon. You know, I and click thirty. 40 times a minute normally. Which is good because we had 26 links in this email. It's actually true. Even when Seth doesn't need to be clicking. (laughs) Whenever we work on a shared Google Doc together, Seth's cursor is just clicking all (laughs) over. I have this thing where like wherever I'm reading, I click there. I think it all comes from your MMO playing. But that wouldn't make sense because – Constant moving and clicking and moving Well, I guess guess that's true because I click things to target them. So when I'm looking at something, I just click on it. Targeting targeting this word. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I have to target things to click on them. That's wherever your focus is is where a click has to happen. Um, I'm just a weirdly programmed robot. Yep. I'm not in control. Mm -hmm. But so so we're still not pumped about this open rate. But I feel like we're at least making progress towards the problem. And the next step is going to be to say, okay, how do we make this just not look like spam at all? Which I is have basically a, to I remove all of the fucking links. Yeah, I have a way to make it not look like spam. Huh. Okay. What you do is we write it. We, we write custom a, write an email for all 140,000 recipients. No, what we do is we write a blog <laughs> post. Okay. Then we copy just the text of the blog post, put it into an email, forward it back and forth between like 30 people. Okay. Mm. Then, then we forward the final forward to our people, people. And, and it just says at the top, it just says thoughts. 
Oh yeah, because then it go. looks like a work email. Yeah, yep. with a whole bunch, of, with a whole bunch of forward head. <laughs> yeah, head forward, 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 forward. Right. Ballyhoo. So we need to make it look like somebody hit reply all on a huge company network. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it and just they, got out, and they yeah. just said thoughts. Yep. because that's how people do work email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna offload all this work onto you. Yeah, I yes, I read it, but now I'm gonna make you read the whole thing and just say. Thoughts? Yeah, that, uh, that was from Deep Work, wasn't it? The project-oriented emailing approach. Did yeah. we talk about that? Yeah. I think oh, we did at the time. Yeah, it's, just, the, it's the idea that when you send somebody an email, respect their fucking time. Mm-hmm. You've already know why you're asking them the thing, and you have all the relevant information. So just give it. So give it in like a couple sentences, mm-hmm. and then just and don't do that bullshit of just thoughts? send somebody a giant pile of garbage and just say, thoughts? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. But again, we will start doing that. Because yeah, that's yep. how we get out of the spam mm-hmm. filter. Yeah. So that's a good plan. So Adventures in Spamland, episode two. Next week, be episode three. Hopefully, we'll be to out be of it. continued. Well, Slaying next week, we, spam we have to wait until we send the next, uh, you know, yeah, next batch. Yeah, like so. four weeks. Yeah. So who knows? But I think I think the the plan is going to be to try to send more often. So maybe every you know mm-hmm. three weeks or or smaller. a very tight four weeks instead of this whole loosey goosey four to six weeks mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then just send smaller ones. And with we're basically yeah. just ripping all those fucking links yep. out of there, like four links. Maybe. Max, yeah. Not what if we just had one link that says, "If you want some links, go to this link," and then that link it's has just a list. Links. It's a yeah. list of links. Yeah, mm-hmm. link list. Yeah. Links.bscotch.net. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, we could do that. But it's L Y N X, and it's just a picture of a cat. It's a picture yeah. of a cat, and then the cat. Uh, yeah, everybody loves cat pictures. Yeah, the cat has a voiceover with a funny voice. Ooh, yeah. Uh, like in funniest home videos, right. mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, it, and it speaks. It the, reads the links yeah. out loud because he can't detect that with spam filters. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's the link links. <laughs> the link links. We could put like a, a link hat on it or something. Anyways, uh, <laughs> also industry news. Yeah, what happened today is the twentieth anniversary of Half Life. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Half Life. So, Happy first question is what? What was the half life of Half Life? Probably five years. Yeah. So we're year. we're deep in the tail of that mm-hmm. game. I think. Yep. Uh, Half-Life was made by Valve in 1998. Yes. Or rather it was released in 1998. It's probably made in 1995 or something. Yep. And it was a big sort of step forward in the shooting people in the face genre. It was a genre-defining game because nobody had really considered that you could put like a puzzle into a shooter. Yeah. yeah or, or much of a story. Much of a, I think Doom had a well the story in Doom was there's aliens. Mm-hmm. You're a you're a marine. You're a bad you're a gun guy. Yeah. And there's bad guys. <laughs> so and they didn't the, go. And the aliens are 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 demons. Mm-hmm. They're demon aliens. Yeah. From Demon Land. <laughs> uh so that was they the original name for Doom was Demon Land yeah. and mm-hmm. then they changed it. Little known fact. So uh so Half-Life sort of became this phenomenon. It got tons of game of the year awards. And then Half-Life 2 came out, and that was an even bigger deal. That was in 2004. In 2004, and Half-Life 2 was the game that had this weird patching client called Steam Mm -hmm. that you used to patch the game, and people hated it. Yep. Uh, But then they used Steam to deliver Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and 2. And And the Orange Box. And the Orange Box. And other other gaming companies were like, hey, you guys have a lot of players, and you're already selling shit through your weird patching client. Can we just sell our (laughs) shit through that patching client? Seems like, I guess. And that was like, whatever, you know. And then- And they were were releasing like 12 games a year through Steam for like three or four years. And then it started to go up. Yeah. So if you had Steam, what you had was once a month, an awesome game would show up. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah. And then you would just buy it. Yeah, then, then we didn't have to go to Best Buy anymore or CompUSA, mm-hmm. which I think we was just had bankrupt. Steam. 
You just had Steam. We had Steam with our 35 games available. Oh, and then all was, the best games ended up there. Now all the best games and all the worst games and all the ones in between end up there. Yep. Every game. It's just all the games. Every single game is yep. on there. Uh, so let's talk about let's talk about where Valve has gone this is in the past 20 yeah. years. There's an interesting article today, which was about uh, Artifact. So Valve hopped on this card, this card game. Well, first train. I want to say hmm. – so Artifact is Valve's new card game, and it was, I think, a year ago that they announced it. Yes. And Va- everybody's been waiting for Half-Life 3 for like for 16 years now or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, 13, whatever years. A long years. time. Uh, and there's this running joke that it'll never come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gabe Newell, the CEO of Valve, has said that he doesn't want to make Half-Life 3 because there's absolutely no way that it could ever live up to people's expectations. Which is probably true. It's, it's definitely true, and I totally sympathize. Mm-hmm. But Valve now has this problem where anytime they make an announcement that there will be an announcement, yep. everybody immediately assumes Half-Life 3, and then they're immediately disappointed, yep. which is exactly what happened with this new game, Artifact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Artifact is basically – but it's a – I mean it's more or less like a Hearthstone-esque sort of game. So it's a card game. You play on your computer. Um, that's it. And it's sort of modeled after normal card games that you play in the real world. So – those who aren't familiar. Like normal card games, you don't mean using a deck of no, cards. No, I don't mean a deck of cards. I mean where you basically you build your own deck. Yeah, like the collect- like collectible card game. What do they call them? Magic the Gathering. Yeah, TCGs. Trading card games. Yeah. And so basically yeah. what you end up doing is you will you buy a pack of cards from the store and then you tear it open. And this is part of the fun of the real world games. And then you figure out what cards you got because there's just a random selection of them in there. And then you have to sort of figure out you know which ones to bring with you to fight your your friends locally in town because that's the only way that it works. So the these online games essentially just the same idea, but then leveraged over the internet. So you can now you have your trading cards, and then you can battle you know someone in Singapore or something with your trading cards. And so there's a constant stream of people to fight, constant stuff to do. But the interesting thing about Valve's approach, so so uh, a lot of games again we've talked about loot boxes quite a bit, and sort of a card pack is this really weird thing because it does exist. It is essentially a loot box. It just is a loot box. They've been around for decades. Yeah, and right. everyone's used to them though in the real world, right? Yeah, this like, is it's when, actually kind of fun to open. Yeah, you'd like go to the grocery store and they'd be like, "Here's a little Yu-Gi-Oh uh-huh. thing," and every every kid who walks past would be bothering their. This is, this is how to buy it for them. this is how you start teaching your kids early that gambling is fun. Exactly, yeah. it's just fun. It's, it's just, just good fun. times. Yeah. So. So these exist in the real world have for a long time and some really interesting stuff happened with sort of bringing them into the internet, which is that they which still – there's no real physical good behind it. Exactly. And so uh, in the case of Hearthstone, another one of these card games, they sell these card packs. So you're guaranteed a, like a certain number of cards and you're guaranteed a certain number of quality of certain cards. So you're not going to get like a total dud pack that has like nothing good in it. There's always going to be these one – they call them like rare cards yeah, like or rare epic cards, cards right. or something like that. And so, and so the the fun of it then again is the same thing, which is that you open it up, you can see which five ones you got, sort of a random roll, you know, gambling sort of situation. Um, so what Valve did with Artifact was they made it so that both the game up front cost twenty dollars, so you already paid a considerable amount to get in, and then you only get the like two starter packs or something like that, I believe, with it, and so. You have sort of like just really. I flimsy assume there's deck. like a thousand other cards. I'm sure there are. So you have this really flimsy deck, and then in order to, uh, like, they wanted to sort of model it very, very closely off of the real world experience. Because in the of real world, cards. you also just buy one of those decks first. Yeah, and, and it's then, got like four cards. Yeah, in it. and then you just have them. And then, you, like, if you want to go play someone, if you want to trade with someone else, uh, people also like sell these cards on eBay and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. 
there's like the there's like a Black Lotus Magic the Gathering card or something like that that is like the most expensive trading card. Well, I was Magic the Gathering. There are people who have you know forty thousand dollars and more invest. I remember yes. I remember reading an article about a guy who had a you know had a binder worth forty thousand dollars of Magic the Gathering cards that he left somewhere. It oh, was just, fuck. It was just so happy because somebody found it and brought it back to him. It was, it was like at some big Magic the Gathering event oh or something. Oh, my God. You know? uh, which is the prime place for people just to steal that shit, yep. you know. Um, I remember reading that article and I was like, that is too much money. In a binder. In a binder. Yeah. So Put that in a bank. Yeah, so yeah. the long and the short of it is that uh, Valve probably stuck a little too closely to the real world when it came to this thing because they made it so that you have to like you have to pay for a ticket. You have to buy a ticket in order to like compete against people. Is that yeah, right? something like that. And then, because normally, if you go to a big tournament, somebody has to host that tournament yeah. at a venue, and, and you it do a costs buy-in. money, and you exactly. buy in, and there's probably food there and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, in the real world, it makes a lot of sense to pay a ticket to go to one of mm-hmm. these events. And then, on top of that, uh, they made it so that if you trade with one, you can't actually just like just straight up trade with players. No, it has to, there has to be money involved. You have to sell your cards with real money. You can put them on essentially the real money auction house. Uh-huh. Of artifact, which we've talked about, how dumb of an idea this is. <laughs> and then Valve would take a cut also of whatever the money was. So if so I you sold pay a card, Valve to get access to cards, and then to get the cards you want, you pay, you keep paying Valve. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you, anyway you slice it, Valve's getting. Paid. And then to play the game, you have to buy a ticket from Valve. Yes, yeah, so right, basically you buy a ticket. You pay money to just do anything. It sounds like in this scenario, and so of course there's a big uproar about it over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and now they're trying to figure out. They're like, oh, my God, you know, sorry. We're trying to figure it out. But, you know, yeah, they're backtracking the on I think the thing that they implemented basically immediately because they could was to make it so that you could convert the cards you don't want into tickets. Yeah. To play more rounds. So or in other words, now if you buy a card pack and you get a card that you don't want or a duplicate, yep. you can turn that duplicate into a ticket that allows you to go play a game against someone. Yeah. Presumably. And if you lose, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah for me, I just so I mean I don't like any of this I don't like this I don't like the loot box model period in real life or in mm. or in you know digital life uh, but so the, the whole idea of like buying a you know Yu-Gi-Oh card pack or whatever um, I I can still get behind that a little bit more in, in the sense that like there are cards in there they can't like nobody can fuck with what's in there right mm-hmm. it just is what it is now but as soon as you're talking about a digital card deck every incentive in the universe points at the company who is offering you this yep. loot box to various to stacking fuck the, with what's in there yeah. to modify your behavior, right? Yeah. Well, their companies have patents on these exactly, on these it's, and it's not things. even illegal to do that. At least it doesn't yet, right. yet, right? To to basically tweak, yeah. Because like when you this go is what to Destiny, got in trouble. Yeah, for. yeah, yeah. You go to a slot machine in Las Vegas, which this is what this is, right? You go to a slot machine in Las Vegas, and they have to advertise the percentage payout. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is and always you, and ninety-five cents on the dollar, right? And it can't right. be based on who you are and your behavior, mm-hmm. right? And so, so what they can do, for example, in some of these, um, in some of these digital games, is like the first one or two things you buy, they can really give you something really good, yeah. right? Because they're tracking what you're buying, and they can hook you, and then they can s- slowly reduce the probabilities over time, so that you see what the potential is mm-hmm. early. Uh, and then you, because people don't really get sunk costs or statistics, people start doubling down and tripling down yeah. or whatever. Um, and you also now they've invested more into it. So now it's like it's, it has become their hobby and they need to get better cards. And everybody else has better cards. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and yeah. I mean, like I, I saw I saw a post one time where there's this there's this one uh, amount that you can get from a boss in World of Warcraft that has a one in a thousand drop chance. <laughs> and it's an from old, a boss from a boss. And it's old enough 
content now that people can solo this boss. It used to be a raid. Yeah. Like when you killed it, you was like you and twenty other people, and then so even if it. it did drop you, just you still had a one in twenty <laughs> chance of the one in thousand or whatever. <laughs> and so I saw that you know I see you see a post where some person is like, I've been killing this boss every week for the past yeah. uh, six years, <laughs> and, and they're like, here's how many times I've I've killed it. You know, I've killed it like nine hundred and twenty five times or whatever, and then. Uh, on like all my different characters and, you know, oh cause you God. can do it on each character each week that you have. And then, and then uh, they said, so I figure since it's a one in a thousand drop chance, I figure sometime in the next three or four That's weeks, not how that works. Yeah. They're like, I am statistically, as they put it, I'm statistically guaranteed that it's going to be dropping pretty soon. No. And then, and then half the people responded and they're like, yes, you got this. That's what, that was my experience as well. And then somebody else comes in and they're like, you idiots do not have any fucking idea <laughs> how statistics work because if it's a one in a thousand, then it's every always a one yeah, in a thousand. Every time you do it is one, a one in a thousand, thousand chance. Right? Yeah, like you can't say it. like I flipped a coin four times and it came up tails all four times, which means that the next four are guaranteed to be heads. It's like, no, it's it's not how it works. It's just <laughs> that's just not how it works, you know. Yeah, just the same as it was. But before. you know, yeah, so so people don't get how these things work. Yeah, well, I think in particular when you talk about dynamic statistical modification on these things to to boost revenue you start getting into yeah that's the thing I, like, I think it's I, I think it's it's way too easy to do really fucking shady and ethical yeah. stuff um in just in the digital space in general because because it's hidden because you can change things on the fly mm-hmm. and this has long been a practice in uh, mobile games too yeah you know they'll they modify prices they do all sorts of stuff based on behavior and this also was the case with destiny too which people did get really pissed off at because they found out that if you had been what was it? If you'd already bought some of the like engrams, what they call basically loot box, if you'd already bought some of them, then it then it made it harder for you to get the content that you could find. Yeah, there's would have been in those. Yeah. Sort of Essentially, the more you spend, the more they assume that you are spending compulsively beyond your control, and the more they target because you yeah, and then the more they just keep roping you in. Yep. Which like there, there's. There's no good way to spin that. Like you can't No, you, you can't, can't talk your way out of trying to explain how what you're doing as a company good. is no, like a good it's thing. It's only gross. You know, I, yeah. I think there's there's again there's that there are these levels of it that you see in the real world where you're like, okay, I get that it feels okay. And it's things like if you go to a lot of websites um to to say to buy something or whatever, like so let's say you put some shit in your cart mm-hmm. and then you leave, right? And you don't come back for like a week or something, or ever actually. You might get an email a few days or a week later from that company mm-hmm. being like, uh, hey, we just saw that you, you know, abandoned some stuff in your cart. Um, you know, how, how does a 10% off your yeah. purchase sound, right? Because right? they, they're trying to like loot, get you back in to, to sort of continue that thing. And from a privacy perspective, like I can get not liking that, but it also doesn't feel like unethical and gross and, or any yeah. of that, right? But when it comes to this, because they're assuming that you wanted that stuff to begin with, right? And they're and actually tra- and they're trying to and they're trying to sell you something. Like they're trying to like it's an actual thing. Yeah, they're they're giving you an incentive to come do it, right? Um, but when it comes to to in game purchasing of any kind, I mean, purchasing through a digital thing for a digital mm-hmm. thing, uh, it's just it's just so easy. Well, it's to there's too much control that. essentially. Yeah, there's way too much control at that level. So so yeah, I mean, so Valve got in trouble for it. Uh, by their fan base, yeah. who was like, "What are you guys doing over yeah. there?" And, and just like what we talked about with Diablo Three, Real Money Auction House had the same problem. Um, yeah, and and this this is a, an outgrowth. Sam and I were chatting with this about this over the weekend, but this is this is an outgrowth of the publicly traded model of companies to demand constant growth. Mm-hmm. So if you have, let's say, you're a game studio and you've got like 10 million players, that's great. 
right? Wrong, because you never have enough players mm-hmm. if you are a publicly traded company. But Valve is privately owned. Right. So What's in this case, I don't fucking know. Well, actually, no. <laughs> they are privately owned, but that doesn't mean that they don't have investors. Sure. Right. And so – Also, it doesn't mean that because – I mean, your average person, like literally everybody, mm-hmm. has bought into the same idea that public traded companies are based on, which is that that what you have is never enough that you must always get more. Right. right? It's like we talked about with the no matter how fast you go in a game, it's never fast enough. Yeah. You know, no matter how much your company grows, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even if if your company isn't growing, then that's a bad thing, right? And so, if you have a dedicated fan base of ten million players and you're making a billion dollars a year or something. Um, that is viewed as a bad thing if those numbers aren't increasing and investors will start to pull out because they don't see their money going anywhere. And a lot of times what you'll see is, is in these private companies, an investor will come in and they'll drop whatever millions of dollars into a company expecting a return. Mm -hmm. Right. And if it looks like that, that isn't going to go anywhere, then they'll want to be bought back out. Right. Um, And And of course, if you've spent that money as the, if you spent that money, now you've got to figure out what to do about that problem. Uh, either get more investors, take out loans, to like you know whatever. So it's a big problem if you're not yeah. constantly growing. As if you have other people mm-hmm. involved, other people's money. In your well, company. then otherwise, if you just have yourself involved, because you've probably bought into the same view of the world that everybody else has, mm-hmm. which right. is that everything must be growing. Everything must be growing. Yeah. So I think I mean it was a it's a strangely poignant twenty year milestone for Valve. Let's all just leave it at that. Yeah, twenty years ago <laughs> they released a groundbreaking, completely beloved title that was the basically the origin point of an entire market mm-hmm. called Steam and, and the ownership of of that market by the one company that also launched that game. And then here we are 20 years later with a digital card game mimicking real life card games that does look good. I mean, I'll give them that. It's always going to look good. So so they got that going for mm-hmm. them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I don't know. We'll see where this goes over the next <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. I assume not much. I don't know. I will say I was I was surprised at how successful Hearthstone was because um, I felt similarly about that um, in the sense that just like yeah, you know, coming from a company well known for these very epic, you know, deep, uh, experienced games, and then launching a card game based off of all that, I was like I I couldn't see it being really successful because it just seemed like it didn't make any sense in that in that portfolio. Um, but shit. I think the reality is has like, done very well. Well, I think the reality is if you're if you're a fan of a company that makes these deep experience things, um, you'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, I not think. only that, I think the reality is that you you have different games that you want to play at different times, right? Yeah. I don't always want to be like you know six hours deep into an RPG to enjoy something. Sometimes yeah. I do just want to be like, let me play a round of something. For, Although for you can't, it's really hard actually to play a round of Hearthstone because people are really good at it. Yeah, I mean, I personally don't. Yeah, I get my ass it, kicked. Yeah, I did. I did pick it up, and played it for a while, but. Yeah, I, played I, I find it hard to sit down and play because every time I boot it up, I need to download three gigabytes worth of updates. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of the downside of it being a PC first game yeah. and then com- coming to mobile is that it's just enormous. Yeah. So it's it's good though, but I don't know. Uh, we need to talk about before we get into questions. We need to talk about cashews. I think. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and I just this was a thing I, I discovered last week or my wife and I discovered last weekend. We we got a can of cashews and just fucking mowed through them because they're the most delicious nut. Because they're just fat. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. great. But then at some point we're just like, where do cashews come from exactly? Like, are they are they a ground nut? Do they come mm-hmm. from a tree? Or so is it an animal? I don't know. Is it an animal? So, so Or like, are they like prunes where they're really a different thing and then they become a cashew? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so, so what? I just, like, I just wanted to know what they were. So I Googled it. 
and was just so if anybody listening who's not seen this, like it was just so fucking baffling because a <laughs> cashew is basically so th- imagine a fruit, an apple, say, mm-hmm. like a green apple, right? Now imagine that fruit, you know, has has that little butt part, right? The fruit butt. The, the fruit bottom. butt. Yeah. Imagine it pooping out a cashew. Just like it basically <laughs> like like it pooped out the whole thing and it's just stuck there. It hasn't dropped yet. Okay. Okay. All right. This is how fucking cashews grow. So there's, so there's a, a fruit. There's a, there's a fruit called a cashew apple. That, that doesn't have out. any nuts in it. It just shits out a cashew. <laughs> <laughs> and then the cashew itself, so it's just it's just like there. It's just stuck to the bottom of this fruit. And it's only one. So there's one cashew on one cashew apple. apple. And the cashew is also covered with a toxin, which is basically like poison ivy. So when people are prepping these things, they have to wear so gloves and they have to like shave the outside layer. Turd. It's a poisonous turd. A poisonous of a apple turd. Yeah. So but they, I just, they, <laughs> they wash it off. They clean they it. They have to like scrape it off. That's why like, cashews are expensive, I guess. Because you got to manually of, scrape yeah. off the poison. Yeah. But like how, how <laughs> fucking wild. All these things. How did always, this happen? Yeah, always, how did someone eat that? At like the, you know, the first yeah. discoverer of the cashew. Well, but even more importantly. Just a lot of steps. There, there had to be somebody who ate it. Died. Yeah. And if somebody yeah. else saw that and they were like, I'm going to give that a try, but. <laughs> I'm gonna first. I'm gonna scrape off, scrape off the maybe it's the outside that kills people. Well, I don't think it kills you. I think it just gives you really bad, you know, skin reactions and stuff. If you get poison ivy on your insides, presumably uh, you can God. get it anywhere. Probably it's probably a nightmare. But yeah. So this guy, so some somebody ate a cashew, got some kind of real bit, ba- real bad problems, and then either that same person went for it a second time, but with a refined process. You know, this is yeah. why sometimes when people are like, "You guys, you know, Crashlands is just so weird." Like, how did you guys? Yeah, have you, have you I, seen the real get, world? Have you looked around? <laughs> we got fucking. We got wild. apples shitting out nuts over here. Yeah. <laughs> Poison nuts, and we're eating. And them. we're scraping them off and eating them. Yeah, look around. And you, and you can't even because then I was like, so then my first thought was, I want to eat a cashew apple. Is it the story mm. of coffee? Like goat? It was about goats, right? About goats. Yeah. Did they get jazzed after eating coffee beans? Yeah, there were like some people. They were like, look how jazzed these goats are. I want to be that Yeah, jazzed. some people <laughs> noticed that their goats, like whenever they ate these particular plants or whatever, then they got all like super fucked up and like really energetic. So, of course, the people were like, I want to do that. I want, <laughs> <laughs> I want whatever they're on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they started eating the eating the coffee beans. Yeah. And, well, I yeah. see billy goats are always jumping around, but they just eat those pellets. Maybe I should give those a go. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like 25 cents for a You never know. There's deal. probably weed in there. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Some form. That's why yeah. goats have those like horizontal <laughs> like, slit pupils because they're just they're like, so high all the time. Their pupils went sideways. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> goats. Man, so but it like turns out apple? You, yeah, you can't get a cashew apple like anywhere because – their shelf life is basically zero, and they bruise so easily that they, they can't be shipped anywhere. They exist to shit out a nut. Yeah. That is it. <laughs> That's all they do. That's their sole So purpose. if you think your but life I, is I, bad. I want to find one, though. Like, where can I find a fucking cashew apple? Somebody somewhere. I don't know. Because they can't grow. And I, also, and I was like, okay, what if I got a cashew tree just to grow in my house? So I could just like. St. Louis can grow basically everything. No, because these things are like deep, deep. They're like they're equatorial. Okay. Yeah. So like even like most of Texas is not sufficiently hot for mm. these things. So then I was like, well, fuck, I can't even. You can't even get out can't of fly even down there. But then I was like, okay, can I grow them inside? I Google around like sure enough, you can, except I can't find anywhere that sells them. Well, why wouldn't they sell them? The, it shits out a poisonous <laughs> thing. Like, you want <laughs> that in your cashews house? are delicious. And I assume the cashew is not the seed. The seed's probably in the apple. I don't know. It's it's fucking wet. Unless it's a berry. Is it a berry? I don't know. No, it's, it's actually it's a certain <laughs> kind of – because I was – It's got to be a seed. Why else would it do that? For fun. 
it's crazy. just for funsies. Maybe plants are crazy. Yeah, plants are crazy. Which I think is really <laughs> just the summary of, of that. I saw this awesome video of these cucumbers that have like the stem going into them. I think it was on like I'm Gonna Red or something over the weekend, but there's a stem going into them that looks like sort of a nozzled hose. And apparently what happens is once it, it builds up enough pressure inside of the cucumber by just like pumping it full of liquid over the course of like weeks. And then at some point it just blows. And the cucumber is full of seeds. And so it just like the cucumber goes bursting off this thing and just is like catapulting or cannoning seeds out of itself. Like, it's weird how – is this some specific kind of cucumber that does this? Or yeah. Something? It's okay. weird how it had to be a cucumber. It's like they first tried making a cucumber and they were like, nobody likes our, our cucumber. How the fuck are we going to get these seeds out? Just here? shoot them all over. Because normally things make, make tasty edible, things. tasty things so that animals eat them and then the animals mm. shit the seeds everywhere. But sometimes you need to avoid having certain animals eat them. So, because like, because a lot of things don't like to have mammals eat them, because mammals chew up the seeds, yeah, right? That's true. And so that's why Asshole you have spicy mammals. stuff. Because actually, spicy stuff doesn't apparently doesn't hurt birds. Mm. It only oh. hurts mammals. But mammals still figured it out. Well, we just we like we like this now. So, yeah. like, so fuck, <laughs> fuck you, plants, plants. <laughs> but then of course we're plants like, are like, oh, dang yeah. it. But then we say, well, let's let's try to make some that we don't like. For we'll just do that to ourselves yeah. now. And then plants were like, well, this one's bitter. We're like, ha ha, it's beer now. Fuck yeah. you, plants. <laughs> Cashew. We really hate plants. I think. Oh, well, no, we love to eat them is, is where we yeah. are. We so love to eat plants and, and also spite them yeah. in all of their attempts. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe because well, yeah, well, yeah, we, we, we mock them by making them even more grandiose at the crazy thing that they were doing. Yep, and then yeah. we eat them anyway still. And then we plant them just so we can eat them, yeah. <laughs> which I guess is good for them because now they're spreading their seeds. There's a lot of them. It's a mission accomplished, I guess. That's mm-hmm. where, they were playing the long game. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> I guess they won in the end. All right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question onto the podcast, go there and then do that. <laughs> First question comes from Retro Banana Man NL. Is there a reason why? Probably. You launched the Crashlands co-op update the day that you launched it. Yes. yes. There's there's a bevy of reasons. I don't know so, if they're good. So well, one well, reason was we wanted to get it out and not have it be next year. Yep, that was one. So that was one. Yep. From a, so from a press standpoint, so we run out of it. Also had to be done. Yeah. Yes. So we had, we had finished it. What October? Yes. We showed it at Shenanicon. Yep. And then it, it was, was done before that. I think we were in Cert. Yeah, we got cleared through Cert like the twenty fourth or something of October twenty fifth yeah. or something like that. Which means we were ready technically to launch at some point, but we still had to put our store page together, which also took days to review and all sort of stuff. So so the day that we picked was essentially, from a PR standpoint, the thing we needed to do is be able to somehow thread the needle between all of these games that just exploded onto the market last week, essentially, and the games that were coming out right before that. So Red Dead Redemption, which just sucked up all of the press everywhere for like two weeks, came out two weeks before, and then uh, there was this window. There was this one-week window before the holidays hit and before a few of these other AAA launches. Like and, before, and before all the big uh, like Steam sales. Yeah, yep, exactly. That's happened. Like there's Steam Thanksgiving sales and then there's Steam Winter sale. Yeah, so basically we uh, looked at the calendar. Big there, AAA there was games literally just out. like one day. Yeah, there was, was it was the, either if the 8th or to launch 9th. This year, yeah. Yeah, either the 8th or 9th and then otherwise we would basically hold it because if we weren't able to actually hit a window where we could reasonably, you know, maybe get some press about it, then yeah, we didn't want to just launch it and just, do the equivalent of just making it live because no one was paying attention at the time. So, um, so we held until we just did the eighth and that made it so that we had to, we were rushing a bunch of things to try to make it not because the game wasn't done, but just to get all of this reducts in a row from a PR standpoint and from a storefront standpoint to get everything's lined up. So 
the main considerations there were what other games are there other games that are coming out that are going to suck up all the year uh what's the sort of timeline between now and the end of the year so we can get this thing out because we did say it was gonna be out in 2018 and we wanted to actually do make, that make good on that um and that's also for us to, we're you know, known for making good on our release dates yeah it's one of our hey, core we, principles we did i mean technically we actually said that this one was going to be out a long time ago in yep. 2018 that's but by true. having it still be in 2018 it sort of nailed felt, it felt like it was yeah. correct yeah so so yeah that was that was the main consideration for those things Otherwise, it was just sort of a flurry of getting trying to line everything up appropriately. And all, yeah, also, I feel like it had to be in November because we said that we were going to launch Levelhead in November. Yeah, and we thought, you know, if we just swap out the games, nobody will notice. No one will notice. So, yeah. like, we totally said Crashlands at one time on Switch yeah. specifically. Yeah, people are like, oh, Levelhead's coming out. I'm like, yep, it's it's called Crashlands now. But <laughs> <laughs> just go get that. On well, the and we're working on Levelhead two. Yeah, Levelhead two is coming out, which is now called Levelhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, deceptive business practices. You always come out ahead. Uh huh. Yeah. Always. So, so, all right. Next question. The only way to ween. Next question comes from Django Feet. I just found out about the Switch release for Levelhead. Congrats. Can you talk about the process for getting approved to publish a game on for the Switch? Levelhead or for Crashlands? It says Levelhead. So I think they just about got... that we're going to be bringing Levelhead to ah, the Switch. Gotcha. Yes. Not so... that it has released. Even though it did, and it's called Crashlands, and now it's Levelhead Two. That's why I was confused. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as far as the process goes for getting onto these consoles, the 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 big the major difference is that you have to go through a thing called cert certification. So, certification. So essentially, what it is is that uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, all these companies that have these consoles, they want to make sure that people who buy their console because it costs a shitload of money to buy a console uh, when they buy a game that the game works. Why? More importantly, that the game adheres to uh, various te- specs, technical yeah. standards, essentially. Yeah. So what happens is when you want to get your game pushed through, like onto Switch or, or Xbox or whatever else, is that you you'll submit your build to Cert. So you send it in, and then they essentially have like I don't know how they do it, but presumably a variety of automated tests as well as people with books, binders of so the things they're checking, uh, and then they check. You know, how many saves per second are you guys doing? What's this? You know, what's this, that, or Does thing? the game uh, freeze or hang for any time longer than whatever the specs whatever are for yeah. the platform? And then if you fail that, then they send you a note and they're like, you need to fix this. Yeah. And the problem is that the process stops right there. So they don't they do not do like a full check. They don't check the rest. They just get to wherever they got to. And then you if it breaks, that. you go fix that. And, and then, then it you starts back it. over. That's why it's important for you to know. It's important for you to go and look up the certification requirements. Right. So you can try, try to and, take care of all that stuff ahead of time. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just be in an endless back and forth, back and forth, and you yeah. get kicked back to the back to the you know the end of the queue. And now, because there's so many games coming out on everything, the queue is quite it's long. It's quite long. So um, that's basically what the process entails. Then, and as far as getting you know getting you know access in the first place to be able to in, enter into cert, um, in our case, that was we'd had. I had conversations going with Nintendo for I think like two years. Yeah, it's been about two years. Um, it was yeah, it was back when when Wii U was still a thing. We were actually we were actually yeah. talking about that, yeah. but then we kind of held off because we were like, well, we can't even put games on that because mm-hmm. Game, Game Maker didn't do it. Right. Uh, but we're like, we'll just keep keep the dialogue open just in case you yeah. know you guys have some good hardware coming up. Yep, which turned out they did. Yeah, so so we just kept that conversation open, and again, that's part of our overall strategy is just to you know. Talk to people. Make sure you're always talking to the platforms in particular because they they know what's going on and they got plans. Which is, of course, 
far easier said than done. Because it's only something you can do if you have a game that they want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, already. Yep. Yeah. So in the case of level or, head, or that they, you think that they would want genuinely. Yes. So yeah. in the case of, of Levelhead, what we did was we were 11 weeks in at GDC this, this past March, and we took it to all of our meetings with, with the big platforms and then basically pitched them on it. Yeah. Even though it's not coming out and even though, you know, in the case of like Apple and Google, like they don't need to do anything. Like yeah. We could just launch it. But they don't, there, there's no cert process. Yeah, yeah, Steam. They don't need to allow us to do anything. Uh, but Nintendo did. So uh, – in the case of that, it was, you know, we just literally had a two minute pitch and caught our guy sort of in between some of his meetings in a hallway and yeah. just hit it with it. And then we figured out where he was going to be and we tackled him. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like, nice. Yeah. So we're in. We did <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the networking is just sort of like strategic tackling moves. Yep. Yeah. yeah. yeah Somebody's yeah. going from one meeting to another and you're like, boom, tackle. tackle. Boom. You know, that's, they re, they call it an elevator pitch because- because that's the scenario where you're most likely to be able to pitch your whatever. Yeah, right. Like when that person is going, they get they've they've been in a meeting with somebody that they actually care about, mm-hmm, and they yeah. got onto the elevator to go to the next meeting with somebody they actually care about. And then you get in, and there. they don't care about you, <laughs> and you get in the elevator with them. But now they're trapped. But now they're trapped minutes. in there. Yeah. And then you <laughs> and, pitch now, and now you're in a meeting. <laughs> you have created a meeting, yeah. but it's very short. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Because again, if people already cared, you wouldn't have to pitch anything. I got to say that you got to have a certain level of of social skill to navigate that and not make and it not feel bad it for anybody. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, to be clear, don't trap anybody in an elevator. Yeah, that's never a good idea. But even so, when you don't like you don't get in there immediately pull the alarm yeah. and be like, "Fuck, I guess we got to talk about my game." <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I measured the timing. The firefighters will take at least twelve minutes to get here. Yeah, I have a demo. Yep. So your game better be really good if you've pulled that move. Well, I think it's because so you're going there. to jail. You're now. going to jail <laughs> <laughs> for read, false imprisonment. I read uh, Stephen Pressfield, who's the guy who did The War of Art. He wrote a book called No One Wants to Read Your Shit, which is about writing, but it's the same idea for games too. But basically, yep. all he says is like most of most of what is created uh, is people wanting to create something. Essentially, it's for themselves. It's sort of like an ego stroke. He just he just described it as it's like a very you know, extravagant selfie, essentially, for the most part. Um, and being able to make something that people actually want is very hard to do. That's like mm-hmm. when you take a an othery. Yeah. Exactly. Which is when you take a picture of a different person. Yeah. It's so <laughs> putting yourself in the position of of the other person when you're doing one of these pitches is just what you have to do. Yeah. So it's not about you have to ask, is my is my product really as good as say the the top five products that they have launched in yeah. the past week or whatever, right? Yeah. And if the answer is no then either go build something else yeah. or do more work or don't sell it on that platform in particular. Yeah. So that's why I think that's why console is still one of the uh, considered one of the most, you know, gate kept places because you still have to like somehow get on it. Yeah. Well, I think also, you know, on, on uh, like steam or on mobile, no matter what you make, somebody has made something worse that is that on is that true. platform, which makes it feel, it makes it feel a little bit like the bar is lower. I know we certainly felt that way. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly why we started it. with mobile. But no, yeah, yeah, nobody's comparing your game to the worst thing no, because they never it, see the worst right, thing. Right, they're comparing it the to the best ones, right? Yeah. And uh, and so just realistically, like, and and as we talked about in the past too, if you if you can't get that featuring treatment on the on the storefronts, then it basically doesn't even matter that you've launched a game. Yeah. And to get featuring, that means you have to be as good or better than the X number of games that can be featured during whatever that launch window is, right? And so if that's on mobile, that means basically it's like you have to be as good as the top like 12 games that come out that week. And that's 12 games out of, you know, 5,000 or whatever. Right. Uh, so, 
So I think it's it's that's, not that that's hard. The first problem. It's not that hard to be better than the majority of them, to no. be honest, on mobile in particular. Yeah. But it is I very think to hard. be better than the majority of mobile games, you just have to have a game. Yeah, that's probably about right. And just flip a coin mm-hmm. at that point because yeah. on average it might be better than half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's breaking into that into that the upper crust place that is really difficult. And even with Crash I still, like, still I still even. remember how when we launched Quadrupus Rampage, our two competitors that we were stuck yep. between was Touch Girl, Touch Boob, mm-hmm. and Boob Toucher. Yep. Those yeah. were the two games that were our top competitors as we were moving our way up the top new games uh-huh. list. Eventually, after uh, 10 days, they got reported and taken down. But for 10 days, those games existed yep. on the store. So that's like... And we, were, exactly. and we were considered to be exactly as good as those. We were right there. <laughs> we were right there, stuck between them, uh-huh. getting the same number of downloads yep. Yep. with our weird octopus game. Mm-hmm. So that's where – that's what that space is yeah. like. <laughs> Sometimes life reminds you that you're not hot shit. Yeah. You know? You're a small potato. <laughs> you're a small potato. You're a tater tot. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Scood. I was contracted to work on a game once. I was totally into it. I loved the community and had high hopes the game was destined for greatness. I eventually parted ways due to reasons, but now coming back to the game, it's just so full of monetization and so many skins and non-gameplay content, and it's just cluttered and gross. How do you feel about large companies buying out small studios games and then sticking price tags everywhere? Would you ever consider this for your games if the price was right? Mm. I think there's three things here. So one is non-game content for sale. I think that's fine and is often the only way you can actually make any money these days. Yes. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. Maybe their I'm, store just sucks and is weird. I, don't, I mean, I don't like it and I prefer – I don't really play games that have it, but I have nothing sort of like yeah, – it's fine. For whatever. me, it, it depends on the game. Mm-hmm. So in a game like Rocket League, I'm totally cool with it Yeah, because there's no fucking story and who cares. Except yep. that it's still loot box based. Is it still loot box based? I, I mean back when it wasn't. When, okay. just when you could just like you buy a car or whatever. Yeah. Buy cool wheels, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh in in games that are supposed to be more immersion based, yeah, I feel yeah. like you don't want silly hats. And, yeah. yeah, so so I think about like if Fallout Three was like, hey, do you want like a cool new vault suit? You know, four ninety nine. Be like, well, why don't you just put that in the game yeah. and give me something to do to, to get, get the right. dang suit? Yeah, because uh, that makes the game better, mm-hmm. and then I like the game more, and then I will tell. Oh, yeah, people no, I mean, I would game. always prefer the non-game, you know, quote unquote stuff to be actually part of the game instead. Yeah, now, but when you're trying to decide how you're going to monetize a game, your your options are basically to sell the game and then do exactly that. And now, and now that's what I would call an actual game, and that's where you get to have the whole good immersed, you know, immersed game experience. Um, but if you realistically can't sell your game, yeah, um, then your alternative is basically to break out pieces of the game that otherwise would have been like this and sell those instead. We well, also have plenty of scenarios where you need such a giant player base for the game to sustain itself yeah. that it's not an option to sell it. Yeah, so, for example, Fortnite. Like, if you want to have a hundred goddamn people in a match, yeah, you gotta have a huge. You gotta have a free game because there's. It's just hard. Well, especially yeah, especially if you're trying to match skill levels. Well, that's not true because PUBG did it just fine. The real problem was that then a free game appeared. Yeah, and then crushed that. (laughs) So it's like you don't have to do it, but as soon as somebody else does it, now you have to do it. It's a prisoner's dilemma. But also, as soon as you're in a competitive market, because since PUBG created the market, there was no competitor for them yet. It would have inevitably been true that even if other games came out that were pay up front, that now they would have competitors to deal with, mm-hmm. right? I guess so it, it is still be a problem. It is incredible how fast PUBG has collapsed off the radar. Yeah, yeah. Of the games industry, I saw they just released a port on something. I think they're still 
Yeah, they're still trying. They're still kicking. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, they still have like, I, I honestly, remember, they still have a lot of players and are still making a lot of money. Yeah. I just, remember in the first month or so when Fortnite came out, we were talking about it on the podcast and we were like, this is, it's going to, game of PUBG is not going to, we, we be Scott Strata missed that, mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as far as content goes, like it, the, there's a difficulty there, which is that it's, it's just generally hard to make money in games. So I don't necessarily knock uh, any one of these strategies in particular. Like, yeah, I'd always enjoy having the content in the game, but I, yeah. mean, I don't really give a shit. But that, that means that I have to be willing to buy the game in the first place. Exactly, which usually I am not, yeah. and no, nor is anybody else. Yeah. So, but I guess, so aside from that then, uh, the next one being, what about when you see these like companies buy buy a product, buy a studio and then sort of milk it for yeah. cash? Well, I also think realistically that that's often the only way that that game could have actually succeeded. Yes. You know, yeah, because otherwise it, the... The company making the game, the smaller company in this sort of example, uh, wouldn't have needed all of the funding mm-hmm. coming from some parent larger company because they could have just sold the game on its own and, and been fine. Yeah. Um, and so this is a way to mitigate your the risk of having taken that enormous amount of cost, you know, in development um, and then turn around and sell the thing that you made to somebody else and be like, here, you figure out how to actually make money off of this, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and again, like the... The strategy, like the, the companies that are big enough to even be buying games like this, like they're always looking for ways to to actually make as much revenue as possible on these because they're also they're basically gambling themselves when they when they buy a new studio and its game and so on. Um, so I, I mean, to me, like these this is companies doing exactly what they're supposed to do, which is like well, yeah. try to maximize their ROI, mitigate yeah. their risk. Um, and I think as soon as as soon as you are in a financial situation where you basically can't count on the success of your product, like it's you gotta sell it, you know. Well, but I also think that this this to me speaks to the I don't want to say dangers because it seems like it's sort of overstating it, but like the, I'll say it anyway. But the dangers of becoming really attached to a franchise, yeah. Um, because in the long term, things change hands, right? Like yeah. we just exactly what we talked about with Diablo, mm-hmm. which yeah. is like Blizzard was an own, their own studio, um, then they were bought by Vivendi, then that was bought by Activision. Or or they or whatever or they were then bought by Activision yeah, whatever. Um, it's a Russian nesting doll situation. Yeah, and and by this point, almost none of the people involved in any of the original games are working on any mm-hmm. of the new games. Um, and not only that, but and of course, that was also a long time ago. It was a long yeah. time ago. Uh, th- things were different then. Yeah. Everything was different then. The Hardware was different. different. People just everything was different. Yeah, the, the atmosphere is different. Uh, gaming culture was a lot more of a niche kind of mm-hmm. a thing twenty years ago. Um, and so if you had a game with a hundred thousand players, that was incredible. Great. You know, um, now that, you know, people won't look twice at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if you get attached to a franchise without recognizing that it is changing hands as an investment vehicle, then you end up with situations where like, like I, I loved playing the Sims back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. Have you guys seen the Sims Lately, no, I haven't. I'm scared of it. I haven't. haven't it is. It. it is. Uh, it is a Pandora's box of of expansion packs. Like yeah. you, like you buy The Sims Four, and it's just like, oh, here's here's twenty more items for forty bucks. Here's here's thirty items for twenty bucks. Whatever. And it's just like any any new thing you want in the game. So you get like this sort of really stripped down base game, and then everything is just extra purchase, extra purchase, extra purchase. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it and it's is simulating real life. So yeah. Sort of um, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it's it, the game franchise is still doing great, you know, and it's it's making money mm-hmm. for EA because uh, EA bought Maxis. But at a certain point, maybe it won't. 
yeah. then The Sims as a thing will, will cease to exist. It's just gone yeah. now. Well, yeah, because the, uh, the monetization schemes are basically all changing to adapt to how the market is changing. Yeah. And and so that means you know so thing they, and things just have to be kind of driven that way if you're especially if you're a publicly traded company. There's no other way for them to be driven. Yeah, you it's know? just you just have to you got to chase the people who will buy your stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And uh, and I, and, I, and I think I do believe there's there's a fundamental incompatibility with the kind of purchasing that breaks immersion in gameplay, um, which is and that's currently sort of like that's the, that's where we are now, and I think it's going to keep getting it's more incompatible with certain kinds of games. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, I think even just in general, uh, it's just it is just always a reminder that you're playing a game. Yeah, but I think in so in I think the it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily of, break a game. It yeah, in the, in the context experience. of games where that's fine. Yeah, then that's fine. Yeah, so no, like so Fortnite, not, yeah. League of Legends, whatever else, like you are playing a game. Yeah, yeah. It, it can absolutely be yeah. fine, but I think it's still better when it's not. Absolutely. Um, and I, and you know, I think it can be a non-negative experience. It can be. A non-negative I don't know if you could say it's a positive experience. No. Um, but yeah, but that's that's where we are, which means all all games are going to be you know shifting towards that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to get as many users as possible because they're also like all these games are competing on these very intense markets, and yeah. if you if you can't soak up somebody else's user base, then you might just die. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it wasn't it uh, Stardew Valley had numbers come out about their mobile launch? Yeah, they said mm-hmm. the first three weeks on iTunes they made two million dollars. I believe is yeah what it was. So. This is a game that that just absolutely crushed it on Steam. Mm-hmm. I think how many copies did they sell? It's an ungodly amount. Many, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they sold millions and millions of copies on Steam mm-hmm. at twenty bucks. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we're we're talking you know, forty plus million uh, for this game on on Steam, which is great, especially considering it was made by a dude, one person. <laughs> yeah, who's, it's unbelievable. Who's in a pretty good spot right yeah. now? Um, but if you think about what. Like, what is the market saying here? Which is, you have a game like Candy Crush, which makes so much money. Still, Mm -hmm. it's still one of the top grossing. Actually, I think it still still is the the top top grossing grossing game, right? And this game is making multiple billions of dollars per year. Uh, And a game like Stardew Valley, which is this like deep, you know, sort of like rich uh, pay once and be done with it kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, kind of a game. It's probably making less Actually, if it made two million in its first few weeks, it probably made less than five percent of what Candy Crush is making every day. You know? Yeah. Well, and also far less than than it did on PC, even though right the the market for mobile is far Gig. bigger in terms of right. number of people. Uh, and so, so if you're thinking about this from a business perspective, and you're like, what kind of yeah. game should we make? Do if not we, do not make a premium. Yeah. Game then yeah. Then what yeah. the market is telling you is this is a bad idea. You know? Yeah. Um. And and the reason that we're able to do it. And that we are continuing down that path, even though maybe it is one, maybe it is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, we don't like the the gray ethics of all this loot box bullshit, mm-hmm. and you know all that. I, I shouldn't say gray; it's just kind of disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we don't want to do that, right? And so we're sticking to our guns on that. But also, we're a really small studio. Yeah, we so can, we can afford to we can not- afford to make hardly any money yes, relative exactly. to something like Candy Crush right. or, or whatever. Um, but if you are a uh, uh, an Activision or an EA or a whatever. You, you need to make bank. You need, you to, need make, to make a, you need to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, it's I don't think it know. matters really what our opinion is about it because that's just whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the question is like, if, so the final question then is, 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 would you sell the, I guess the games or the IP and let people do whatever they want to them? Ours, right? I don't I mean, think so. No, because no. If we had to, well. 
Yeah, if, if we, we got ourselves in a situation where our only move was to sell the company for some reason, mm-hmm. right? Then at that point, because we're selling the company, we don't we don't have any rights anymore about like what yeah, people are doing. It's more of like stuff. a cover your ass and try to get out of live situation, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you got to be honest see, about it. Yeah, but I don't see that happening. And if and of course, if we did have to sell it, we would try to come up with as many stipulations as we could. So basically, if we, if we had to sell it and had no leverage for some reason. Mm-hmm. Then like then yeah that's what we would do. I feel like well, I feel like if we had to sell it we would have no leverage. Exactly, well, that's exactly right. Um, but but yeah, here here the question is basically like, would we it just if the price was right? The question there is like, well, what would that mean? Uh, in terms of like, let's say let's say we sold. I guess for starters, we can't just sell like one of our IPs. We can't just sell Crashlands, for example, because mm-hmm. all of our games are yep. woven together, yep. right? So we would need to sell like the entire portfolio universe mm-hmm. um but what would that take i don't really have any think, but to me the hilarious part of this is like nobody would want it nobody's gonna pay us enough money yeah because all we're doing all matter. we would sell you is a huge piece of work yeah just a bunch of chores a bunch of work. Well, and the fact <laughs> is like we've already we've already launched all the stuff we've already i mean i think i think part of the, the, the interesting thing about this question too is just the idea that like that there's a company out there who would just like want to buy somebody's stuff right yeah, and that you got to protect yourselves from them because then they're going to contaminate it with all their with all their money stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When realistically, if you're lucky enough to have some other company want to buy the thing that you made, like you are sitting in a fucking great place and should actually probably entertain that idea, That's right? Probably true, man. Uh, because there's almost nothing that anybody can make that some other company is going to pay you so much money for that you're going to feel great about that. Yeah, um, I don't believe for a second. Like if we just want, if we just said like, Ooh, all right, we're done. We want to sell butterscotch, like. I don't believe for a second that would be an easy thing to do or we would get as much money as we want out of it. No. Yeah. Well, and I also think, I mean, what would we actually be selling? Yeah. We'd be selling a bunch of games that have been out for years. Yeah. Because, because so much of what we do in our games, it, it comes from our own, uh, particular, like that. So yeah. Like it comes from our own particular sense of humor and, and the art style and like our way of, of just kind of, the, the extra touches that we kind of put on stuff. Um, like, I don't know, like, wh- what would they do with it? What could they do with it? They would just make it into something else. That's yeah, I mean, the only the only company I could see this working out for is if we sold it to Behemoth. I feel like <laughs> not right. at that point, I'd be like, they can do it. Like, they can they do it, it justice, yep. you know, and they don't have all this gross bullshit going on with their games, mm-hmm. you know. So yep. that, that would maybe be the only scenario where I think it would make any uh Sense for the future of, yeah. for the future of the games, but, you know. Behemoth wouldn't want to buy what we. No, no. Would. why would they do that? <laughs> so, they yeah. got their own shit going. Yeah, on. they're like, busy. Like who would who would just who would want to buy it? Who would want to buy anybody's game? This is the whole thing. Like no one wants your shit. And yeah. is like <laughs> even if your shit makes some money, it's probably still not worth it to yeah. get it. You know, because then because now you have to do the work of trying to make it make money, which is the hard part. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's kind of like if somebody comes up to you and says, "Like I have an idea for a game," mm-hmm. right? Uh, that you should have an idea that you should make and I'll take, you know, I'll take a cut of the profits or whatever, right. which people say this, uh, which I guess that's kind of the same as like if somebody said, Hey, I'll sell you my game and I'll take a cut of the profits because yeah. same thing. Yeah. Cause it, a, if they want to sell it, then that already means that they don't think that they can like, if they, if they want you to buy the IP, that means they don't think they can sell. But this it. is kind of like a publisher right. relationship then. Yeah. In that particular case. Right. Uh, 
No, kind of. I think, yeah. If 100%. you're selling the IP in well, I mean, like I'm saying, in yeah, you don't total. necessarily need to sell it, but I'm saying, yeah. in the case yeah, of like if a you don't think you can, is the same thing. Yeah, if you don't think you can successfully market and, and yeah. sell it. Well, because game. to me, the idea of buying a game is you're also buying development obligations. You're not, you're not just buying the marketing. Like, you're buying the code. Like, you're buying the whole damn thing. Yep. And so now you need What happens when engineers. the updates? You're buying all the accounts. You're buying just, you're just buying all the things. Yeah. I can't imagine having to look through all of our shit and figure out no, so I, I you know, currently, if like if anything happened to any one of us right now, like Done. the company's just sunk now because there's too much siloed knowledge. Yeah. So I found a counter, uh, a program that you can use to to go through your game maker projects and count the lines of code and, and characters and stuff. Mm. So we're with level head is uh, about seventy five thousand lines of code, nice. and about two million characters. Nice. That's two million type. keystrokes. Two million keystrokes. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a shit ton of code. Well, and this is this is where it is right now. I remember this isn't counting refactoring. This so. isn't counting, yeah, and it's also not even counting the, the rest of the game that we're still working on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what about Crashlands? Did you run on that? No, but it's probably less. Probably, yeah, yeah. Because actually, a lot of the a lot of the tools and stuff that we developed in Crashlands were brought over to Levelhead as foundational stuff, right? So, uh, you know, that's yep. the thing. That's the thing. I remember I was reading in uh, one of the Game Maker subreddits or something. They were like, "If you're making a platformer, you should not have more than like seven or eight thousand lines of code." I'm like, "Dude, if you're making a good platformer, yeah, you're gonna our, have a fuck code. <laughs> our character, our character, like the player character, has like twenty five hundred lines of code." Did you see? Because Celeste published, like, their, if you include all the scripts and everything else, that's yeah. yeah Celeste code. published their platform, their character code, and it's just like a. It's, it's a nightmare. And that's the whole point. It's like if you yeah. make a really good platformer, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, and it's because like, yeah, of course, of course, if you want to make just like really simple, like, yeah, I'm jumping around on things. Yeah, I can I could do that in like 40 lines of code. Mm-hmm. No problem. Uh, but the interesting stuff comes from all these weird exceptions. Yes. Like what happens when you become invincible? What happens if there's four players? What about like a grappling hook mechanic? Mm-hmm. What about oh, – So how know? do you collide with things and from which directions? Yeah. And how do you fall through floors? How do you jump up through floors? Yeah. Because yeah. we, we even have scenarios like, okay, uh, you've got these blocks that you can hit your head on to get stuff out of. You know, We call them prize blocks or whatever. But um, it's like your classic Mario, like hit your head on a thing and a mushroom comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we added the ability to make those things invisible, which means you just totally pass through them from all directions except – the direction that you would normally hit your head on, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't see them at all and you can walk right through them and fall through them and stuff. And then if you jump and hit it, then- Surprise, there's a surprise block. Right. Yeah. But you can also rotate them, mm-hmm. which means they're, they're like, which direction am I solid from is completely dependent on how you've rotated it, mm-hmm. right? And also uh, whether you are moving in the right direction. Because right? yeah. like you can but be on, but there's walking and then there's being on a platform that's moving, yeah. which are two different kinds of moving. You could also be flying out of a barrel. Yeah. Yep. You could be standing on a treadmill, mm-hmm. and that thing is moving you, but you're also moving. That's kind of a weird. Treadmill. <laughs> Treadmills have actually been one of the hardest, weirdest things. The problem with treadmills is that if you do them realistically, they fuck with your jumping. Yes. Right. So like, if you're standing on a treadmill and the treadmill's going. Let's just put it in human terms, mm-hmm. six miles an hour or something in one direction and you jump, then you would now be like if you were just standing on that treadmill and moving, then you are also going six miles an hour. So mm-hmm. when you jump, you would move in an arc, right? In a six mile an hour, hour leap, yeah. essentially. Yeah. But uh, so what that would mean then is and then if you think about like your like you've been on one of those moving sidewalks in mm-hmm. airports and you can go like triple yeah, speed you, if you but walk you're, on Your it. legs are moving like normal. You're just doing your normal shit. But it's it's additive, right? Mm-hmm. So if normally you're walking at, at like three miles an hour, 
and the treadmill's going at three miles an hour. Now you're still moving the same way, but you're walking twice as fast, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, you, you're inheriting the movement. And if you jump off that airport sidewalk. And you will fly. Yeah. Like if you, if, if you did a long jump competition – uh, but started on a moving sidewalk. Uh-huh. That'd be awesome. Then you would go fucking far, Shit. right? <laughs> so especially at the end of it was a ramp that was still moving, you know. So like flung you upward. So also. Yeah, you just, like, you're like you just run up and then do a oh yeah. That'd be amazing. So I want this to be it, <laughs> right? So this is how we had it in level head. Imagine if the thing was going like tw- twenty miles an so hour. Fun. You don't have to imagine it because we had it in level <laughs> yeah. head. And the problem there was like the character already runs pretty fast. And by having treadmills that move you even a little bit faster than normal, uh, all of a sudden you can no longer predict your jumping movements because mm-hmm. you're, mm-hmm. you're used to jumping a certain distance and yep. moving certain speeds. And now all of a sudden you have treadmills that can be going basically any speed and now they're just adding their speed directly to your speed and now you can't figure out how far you jump. Yeah, especially yeah. for some of those sort of nightmare puzzles where it's just one treadmill block that you have to like jump on and then jump back off of really right. quickly. Because as soon as you touch it, it could be then it, any speed once yeah, you hit it. As soon it. as you touch it, it would change your momentum, right? Yeah. Uh, so then what that means is the optimal strategy for getting the treadmills is to just constantly be jumping. It, because we, we had to remove that whole thing where they no longer can affect your speed. They just move you while you're on them. And as soon as you mm-hmm. jump, you like you just jump straight up. But that means that the way to get around treadmills is to just perpetually be jumping. Yeah, because now you're not really being moved by the treadmill right. very much at all. Yeah. So we still have not solved the treadmill That problem. might just be the best solution, unfortunately. Yeah. And we, and we had the same thing with moving platforms. Like you get yep. on, a, on a block that's moving around in the air – and originally we had you inheriting its its edge. Yeah, which basically with the sometimes you'd be riding on a block and it's just going to the right. And maybe it's just going at your move speed, your normal yeah. move speed. But then you jump and you just, and you just go, go flying off this thing. <laughs> yeah. like, or like right before it turns a corner or something, it goes somewhere direct and you just go sailing off into the think, wilderness. How does like, Mario handle this? Because I'm pretty sure you do not inherit your I don't think you do. Speed. Yeah, you don't Mario. But it's, it feels so – if I guess it, like it feels bad in both scenarios, yeah, like it yeah. feels bad to be to jump and then have the thing just move out from underneath you. Like this seems wrong. It seems like why the fuck do I have to jump and then move to the right in the air when this thing? It doesn't make any sense. It's just because the alternative sucks so much. The, uh, yeah, the, the alternative sucks more, and yeah. they're still super useful. That's the unfortunate thing. Like yeah. I wish we could just cut them because they're so so annoying. But like they're still super. Yeah, moving platforms. <laughs> Moving platforms more than anything else in this game have just been because like getting a basic moving platform that like again it's like that it's like that you know the person saying oh well, I could get I could code a multiplayer for your game in fifteen minutes uh-huh. right um, or I could add controller support to a game and it's like yes you can make a platform in forty lines of code you could code up quote multiplayer in fifteen minutes but covering up all of all the, the problems all of the problems takes months mm-hmm. and yeah. months and months you know thousands of hours. Yeah. So once once we get it in people's hands, we'll see what the response is for some of these some of these things. I don't know. (laughs) All right. I think that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer Fat Bard for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg/bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. And if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Last but not least, if you'd like to support the podcast with money, we'll grab that money over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.